So you want to read Tolkien? We're happy to have you with us. Join us as we work our way through the Silmarillion. I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. And I'm Emily. Let's dig into this week's reading. For Middle-earth. If I tried to pronounce every letter in this name, my tongue would fall out of my mouth. I mean, I am on my second giant glass of Prosecco right now. So... Sally Ho! That's what Into the West means. Let's go home. We're unqualified, but we have ideas. Hey, everyone. Yes, here we are. Chapter 18 of The Ruin of Beleriand and the Fall of Fingolfin. It's going to be a good time. We're getting to some real stuff now, guys. And I'm going to give a warning before we get into stuff and that this chapter is short, but a lot happens in it, and it's very disjointed. So if it kind of sounds like we're figuring it out as we go, that's maybe because we we are. are. (laughs) Yep. At, At one point... I wanted to throw my book onto the ground and curse every name that began with an H ever in the history of names. There were just a lot of names in general this time around. Just so many. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like we're going to, when we get to characters, we should just split it up and like each take a vague set. Yeah. Because the characters list is like two pages here. Yeah. I feel bad for ever complaining about the number of characters we had before now because this is a whole other level. I yeah. even left out a lot of unimportant ones. Mm-hmm. I say, here's here's your summary, everyone. Anyone we've ever mentioned before comes back. Yeah. Except Fanar. <laughs> Obviously. Um, and when you're reading through the notes, if you see a time when I mentioned Finrod and also Nargothrond, every single time I had to look up and make sure that I had the right dude. Because I cannot keep him straight from Fingen. I know. And I never know who is the actual Lord of Nargothron. So, who wants to start us off with the characters? Rachel. All right, I'll go for it. How about so. Rachel does the elves, Emmy does everyone else, and I'll take the quote-unquote summary. All right. I mean, I th- feel like it's going to be kind of summary and discussion in one this time because it's yes, just it's, yeah. so much. Um, okay, so elves. We have the Noldor. There are cursed dudes. They came over and screwed everything up. Um, Fingolfin is the king of the Noldor. He's in charge right now. He was Feanor's brother and is the big bad dude. Um, I mean, big bad dude of the Noldor. He's not evil. (laughs) That was very confusing. But (laughs) in as much as they have a head honcho while they're bickering among each other, he's that. Yeah. Um. Madros is the eldest son of Feanor. We have a couple other sons of Feanor. Uh, Kelly, isn't it Kelligorm? Yep. Yep. Kelligorm. Yeah, Kelligorm and Curafin, who are also sons of Feanor, and they're assholes. Um, we have Maglor, who is a son of Feanor. Caranthir, who is a son of Feanor. And the twins Amrod and Amras, who are sons of Feanor, who's been dead for a long time. We I just have. counted, and that does equal seven, so we're all good. Oh, we got it. <laughs> all right. So a whole bunch of sons of Feanor, basically. We have the um, sons of Finarfin, Angrod, and Agnor, not to be confused with the other A-named sons of Feanor. Yes, I had to double-check that myself all these times. Um, but these are the sons of Finarfin, who are Fingolfin's nephews. That's the the third brother um the kids of finway who uh finarfin stayed behind they're also galadriel's brothers so then um oh yeah and there's one um another son of finarfin um who is finrod 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 felagund because he has another name as well and he is the one who is the lord of nargothrond Presumably, if I did my research right. Yes, pretty sure. he is. And this is the not as secret, but still a semi-secret fortress that's beautiful and sparkling. It's important. Then we're going to go back to um, the son, <laughs> the sons of Fingolfin, who's our head dude. Turgon is king of Gondolin, which is the secret, secret place that we talked about. You're not supposed to ever leave once you get there. 
I enjoy that there's the secret place and the secret secret place. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a mess, guys. <laughs> There's the secret, secret place, the secret place, and the place that's not a secret, but it's blocked off by a mega creepy girdle magic thing. So no one can get to any of these guys' homes. <laughs> that is actually a plot point. Um, but anyway, Turgon is king of secret, secret place. Iranian. Er- oh, no, he's it. Sorry, I jumped one. Fingon is also a son of Fingolfin. You jumped um, the most important one. Fingon is the one who's secretly making out with Majros. Yes, Fingon is the one who's secretly making out with Majros, even though we have a hard time telling him apart from his cousin, Finrod, sometimes. Um, he hasn't had much to do lately, aside from our lovely chapter where he goes and saves Majros in dramatic fashion. Um, I don't know if we're getting, are we getting into the spoilers of this chapter already? It's just do it. Don't like go okay. for it. He dies near the beginning, so. All right. Anyway, um, congrats. Yep. Fingolfin, head dude, is going to die in I this mean, the chapter. chapter is called The Fall of Fingolfin. True. It is definitely <laughs> in there. So he, he dies and Fingon ends up taking over leadership, um, kingship, as you do. Then he has a son, Iranian who is more well-known as Gilgalad. And then Finrod, who we've talked about mixing up with Fingon, has a son named Oradreth and wants the not-as-secret sparkly palace <laughs> fortress of Nargothrond was built. Um, Oradreth was left in charge of the cool tower of Minas Tirith, the first Minas Tirith, in the middle of the river Sirion, which is a big stronghold that's not a secret and last we have maglin who we hate he's son of emo ale and arithel and he's uh the creeper dude with his cousin in gondolin in the secret secret place um luckily as far as the sindar we pretty much just still have thingol who's the lord of doriath which is our forest protected girdle of melian place and then we get to a whole bunch of men. Yeah, we do. There are a lot of men in this chapter. They're making up for the fact they didn't show up in the first half of this book. Um, so we're going to start off with a list of the Adain, who, if you don't remember, um, are basically the group of men that came um, from the Far East in the First Age. They kind of appeared out of nowhere, according to the elves. But really, you know, they walked slowly and the elves weren't paying that much attention. Um, we'll start with Bregolus, not to be confused with Legolas. Um, he's the lord of the house of Beor. Uh, I think we mentioned Beor the Old in the last uh, chapter. And Lots then, of talk about how old Beor the Old was. <laughs> yeah. Not that old. Not really. Old for them, I guess. Middle Ages yeah. old. He died at, I can't remember. It was, 90, it was 93, like, I think. Yeah. Um, and then we have Barahir, who is Brigolus's brother um, and the father of Baron. And Baron is also in a Dane. Um, I, do we want to talk about him this week or do we want to talk about him next week? Well, just that this is the Baron that we've heard of, that we're expecting a big story out of, not the Baron that is spelled with A's. This is the E Baron. Yeah, that's true. When we talk about him, you can't really tell how they're spelled, so... Yeah, that's why I put that this is the one who we've heard presumably holds a Silmaril at some point. The important one. Eventually. Not so much right now. Yeah. Um, and then we have Emeldir, who is Barahir's wife and Baron's mother. And then we have uh, Belagund, Belagun and Baragund. Oh my god, I hate these names. <laughs> oh, I forgot a D there too. Sorry, Belagund and Baragund. Okay, see, I thought so, but then it wasn't there, so I second-guessed myself. Anyway, we're fine. They are Baron's cousins, um, sons of Bregolus. And then, finally, we move on to some names that don't start with the letter B. Um, we have Rian, uh, who's a daughter of Belagund, and Morwen, who's a daughter of Bergund, and ends up marrying Hurin, which is a name you may or may not have heard of. Um, we have... Uh, Hador, who's an ancestor of Malak, 
and the current leader of the house of Hodder, yes. Um, oh, sorry, the opposite of an ancestor. Sorry, a descendant. My fault. Descendant of Malik or whatever. Apologies. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I didn't really bat an eye at it because Tolkien does some pretty weird things with, you know, time and Very ignoring true. swaths of it. Anyway, a descendant of Malik. Um, he has a son named Gunder um, who dies pretty soon after he's mentioned. So um, he has another son named Galdor because, of course, we're all about the alliteration. Um, and that's the one who ends up taking over the House of Hodder. Um, and Galdor's sons are uh, Hurin and Huar, maybe, if I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, yeah. then we're moving on with our lives. Um, we have two Easterlings who appear in this uh, chapter. They come from the east, presumably east of um, east of the mountains. One they, of the seas. Yeah, they came over the, basically the same way that the Adain did, um, but years and years After. later. So they're not aligned with any elves, and they're not they're not one of the Adain. We also we end up seeing them in Lord of the Rings, actually. Um, but that's not super important right now. Um, so from there we have Boar and Ulfang, and then who else shows up? We get the Lord of the Eagles, who is, uh, Thorindor. He ends up delivering some people to Gondolin. Um, so that's kind of cool. Swoops in, saves some people, standard eagle stuff. And then we have our classic bad guys, right? Morgoth is our very big villain, the overarching evil of this universe. And then we have Sauron, who is not an all-saying eye at this point, but may or may not be the Lord of Werewolves. Um, he's got something going on with werewolves. And then we have uh, Glaurung, who is the father of dragons. Uh, and I, we can talk about dragon gender later, because <laughs> I see that question. That's a good question. For those who can't see our notes, beside while I was writing this up, I then just in my head was like, "Are there women dragons? I don't think we ever hear about any." But we this never man hear about them. But also, dragons. Oh, yeah, it's Tolkien. So would we hear about any women dragons, even if even if that's there were fair. some? That's fair. Anyway, I guess we're not going to talk about it later because that's pretty much all I have to say about it. <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of battles happen in this chapter. A lot of them. Um, and so there's... Sorry, the listing of the battles here, I mostly just included because this chapter is referred to a lot as the fourth battle. And I just wanted to make sure everybody remembered the other what ones. the previous battles were. The big significant thing that happens in this battle is that sudden it's we control fire. So um, Morgoth unleashes fire on pretty much everybody who's surrounding his... I can't remember what they called it. Who's surrounding Angband, but... His, um, the, the, the volcanoes. Yeah. I don't think I wrote the name down once, and now it's escaped me. Because I, it's not, I keep wanting to say Thorondor. Because it starts with a TH. Yeah. (laughs) But that's the eagle. (laughs) Uh. Anyway, his ring of volcanoes burn. So. Thangorodrim. There we go. Why? (laughs) Think Oradrim and Thorondor. Like, why? (laughs) I'm just gonna put that right there, just in case we need it. Um, And now we're into the summary of this book, which is all fighting all the time. So, Caitlin, do you want to kick us off? Do I ever? I'm so (laughs) excited to read my two-page summary of this chapter. Okay, so I'm going to just apologize in advance. This could be all over the place, but the chapter was all over the place, so it's fine. So at the beginning, uh, Fingolfin, the king of the Noldor, feels that they should go on the offensive against Angband, um, especially now that they have the Dane allied with them. Many of the Noldor currently feel content with how things are with their their fortresses, and you know they can watch Angband, and they're like, eh, let's just wait. Our lives are pretty good. As an aside, I don't understand how that works with them all having taken an oath to be actively trying to get the Silmarils, but whatever. Immortality's weird. <laughs> um, as it turns out, 
Morgoth had plans anyways, so it didn't really matter. And he attacks by unleashing fire. Oh, hey, from Think Origin. <laughs> I did write it down here. Um, which spreads across the land uh, from Angband, which is in the north, uh, south towards the lands of Beleriand. And um, if you'll recall from a previous map, and I'll, I'll link another map in the chapter notes here, basically different uh, princes and lords of the Noldor are all set up so that they can look from their fortresses towards Angband across um, an open field, doesn't matter what it's called, and so the fire comes down across that field towards where they're all set up. And if they had any outlying scouts or lookouts or anything, they were all just killed because three volcanoes erupted. And I want to note that this was so funny because we've had so many times where Tolkien takes something really epic and just has it mentioned in an offhand sentence. Mm -hmm. This was actually as epic as it was. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was he written took, really like, epically. He took a paragraph to explain this and it was good. Yeah. Raining fire and death. Anyway, he earned carry it. On. Yeah. And then um, Glaurung is sent out, the dragon that we met a couple chapters ago. And he is full grown now, and he leads forth the armies of Balrogs and Orcs out against the elves. And then after this sort of epic beginning of the chapter, we're basically given different accounts of how Morgoth takes different lands um, and, and or how the elves keep different areas and how the battle goes. And it's almost kind of like... Like, we're in the war room discussing it. Like, that's sort of how the chapter is set up. <laughs> um, and sometimes we're, we, like, go into the battle and we see how exciting it is. And sometimes we're just like, and then Morgoth took these lands and blah, 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 blah. So, let's get into that a bit. So, the first one of important is Finrod is fighting, surrenders, and would have been killed, but is saved by Barahir of the House of Beor. Um, Finrod escapes back to Nargothrond, and, but swears his uh, friendship to the House of Beor and gives Barahir his ring, um, which we previously mentioned as having been seen in the Lord of the Rings movies, the ring that Aragorn has. Uh, Barahir is now the Lord of the House of Beor after his brother's death. Uh, he died in this battle, I believe. Um, his brother died and Angrond and Agnor died. Oh, that's Finrod's kids. Fingon's kids? Oh, shit, I don't even remember now. Back up to the big top. Um, Finarfin's kids. Finarfin's kids, yeah. Finrod's cousins? I'm you know what? Yes At this on point, they're all cousins. Let's just... Yeah. Or is it is it Finrod? Or no, isn't it Finrod's brothers, but Fingon's cousins? God damn it. <laughs> yes, yes, you are correct. <laughs> Finrod's brothers, Fingon's cousins. This is... I cannot keep those two elves fucking straight. Okay. <laughs> it um, doesn't help that we have... Finarfin and Fingolfin. <laughs> yeah. And Fingolfin. So, they die. Uh, so that's two princes of the Noldor just dead at the very beginning here. Um, okay, so due to the largeness of the armies, Fingolfin, of like the orcs and, you know, there's a dragon, uh, Fingolfin and Fingin uh, were unable to come to the aid of the sons of Finarfin. That's uh, Angrod and Agnor. And they were driven back to Hithlum. Again, There'll be a map in the show notes where they met up with the Dane descendants of Moloch, uh, the current leader Hador, and Hador and his one son die defending Fingolfin's retreat. Um, his other son, uh, Hador's other son, takes up leadership and they fight off the orcs and keep Hithlum from Morgoth. So, kind of a win lose battle there. Kelgorm and Kurufin, those are the two sons of Feanor who I hate. They run away to Nargoth Nargothrond. Um, and if you're ever thinking they do anything useful, you're incorrect. They're <laughs> assholes. That's, that's about it. Um, <clears throat> and then we don't really get any good details, but Madros is very brave and dashing and wonderful. And it is said that the orcs fled before his face um, as after his... Cap his previous capture that we talked about, he is filled with a fiery spirit. Uh, so his fortress is not taken. Uh, his brother, Meglor's land is, and Meglor comes and joins 
Majoris, Majros. Um, oh, of note, Megalor's land is destroyed by Glaurung, so giant dragon, giant dragon flies above and burns it all. Caranthir's land also destroyed by Glaurung, and he joins his youngest brothers, Amrod and Amrus. Hope I got that right. So that's all the sons of Feanor. I believe that is all of them. Not the other people. Yeah. That's them. And we went over some, well, okay, well, whatever. Um, But they're not dead yet. No, I think all the sons of Feanor are still alive, actually. Mm -hmm. Interesting. None of them are red up at the top? Oh, yeah. Nope. Cool. I guess running away worked out well for some of them. (laughs) Anyway, so hearing about all this defeat and death, Fingit, fin- mm. <laughs> fuck the Fs. Uh, Fingolfin mounts a horse, rides to Angband, and challenges Morgoth to single combat. And if you're not reading along, I actually highly recommend you read this bit because I really liked it. Um, it's just so very like you you hated Feanor so much, and you're literally doing what he know, tried to do. I don't know if he hated. I, we've talked about this previously, but I have opinions on that. Like, this is the one who said half-brother in blood, full-brother in heart. So I think he wanted to like Feanor. You know, he wanted he wanted to be his brother. Yeah, but then they burned the freaking ships. <laughs> Made you walk across this stupid ice bridge. Maybe he got here and thought to himself, geez, Feanor was doing me a favor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> More- yeah. You know, like... Didn't his wife die on that walk? Yes. Yes, she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a thing that happened. So either way, he doesn't like Morgoth. Anyways, true. so he challenges Morgoth to single combat. They have a mighty battle. You know what? I'm going to read my favorite line here. Thus he came alone to Angband's gates, and he sounded his horn and smote once more upon the brazen doors and challenged Morgoth to come forth to single combat. And Morgoth came. I love that. I love that. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It was um, really epic. So, I mean, I, it can't possibly end well, but, you know, yeah, it was pretty cool. They fight. Uh, Morgoth does, of course, prevail because he's a literal god. Um, but... Fingolfin does get some injuries in, and it is said that these injuries pain Morgoth for the rest of his days. And Morgoth tries to keep Fingolfin's body and cut it up and do nasty things to it. But Throndor sort of swoops in and grabs it and brings it to a hill above Gondolin, where Turgon, Fingolfin's son, is king, who creates a, a cairn around Fingolfin's body, and it's a very nice image. And Another then, actually good, well-described epic scene. Yeah. Yeah, there's some good stuff. That whole scene was really good. Could have been its own chapter. <laughs> um, back to some humans here. So, when Finrod... Yeah. Yeah. Nargothrond. Yeah. When Finrod escapes to Nargothrond... Um, Barahir sort of stayed behind, like I think we previously mentioned that Barahir sort of covered his retreat, and Barahir chose to stay behind and basically refused to stop fighting. And it, we should have mentioned this at the beginning, but this battle goes for months. Like it starts in winter and ends in spring, so it's not it's not like a two day battle. It's a months long battle. Um, so he stays behind and fights, and his wife and some other people of their house also stayed but eventually his wife Emeldir um, took all the women and children and anybody who couldn't or didn't want to stay and fight and um, fled uh, Bear here remained with Baron and some other Edain and kept fighting uh, Emeldir and her folk ended up mostly with Galdor uh, who was of the house of Hador he is now lord of that, I believe. So that's the descendants of Malak, or however you say that name. And um, with the people who fled were Rion and Morwen. And so now they're all with the folk of Hador, which is important because of who they marry and the children that they have in future chapters. Uh, and then Barahir, Baron, Belagund, and Baragund 
um, as well as nine other men who were all named, but whatever, form a... I feel like they're all named and then they all die at the end. But anyways. And again, I feel of, like 80% of the people we named die at the end of this chapter. Yeah. Um, they form a sort of wandering group of warriors and do not go and join up with their families. The chapter describes them as outlaws, uh, which, like, I guess makes them kind of sound Robin Hood-esque. But, like, they're not, there's no laws. They're not breaking any laws. So I, I don't like that word. <laughs> But it's also, it's like, it's just, yeah, you have the idea, but you're also, you read it and you're like, it's outlaws without hope they became, a desperate band that could not escape and would not yield, for their dwellings were destroyed and their wives and children captured, slain, or fled. Yeah, that's great writing, but what the fuck law did they break? They didn't break any law. Yeah. I'm sorry, it bothers <laughs> me. Um, But no, it's, it's good writing. Hey, I, it's, I, I it's a terrible translator who took it from the, you know. The Elvish? Original the, the, Elvish and translated it into the english and he just he was more versed in quenya and this came to him in sindar and so he was like eh, guessing yep exactly <laughs> <laughs> anyways so west of this um forces held the tower of minas tirith against morgoth's forces for two years um until finally sauron now a powerful sorcerer sort of came forth with his own army of ghouls and werewolves because he is the lord of werewolves um i i did mention previously that we would meet the lord of the werewolves i don't think like i don't think sauron is a werewolf he's just sort of in charge of them and it just comes out of nowhere and i would be really interested to dive into how that came to be like was that a punishment like morgoth was all you upset me today you're in charge of these assholes now like what happened there i don't know there, um, there's the real story yeah so he he moves into minas tirith the original and takes over and minas tirith is on an island and he takes over that island is sort of now his home base this I, is what hmm? so, sorry i was just saying why the heck would you name your new city Minas Tirith, like on the edge of Mordor, when it's literally a tower that gets taken over by Sauron with his werewolves? I'm fairly certain that Minas Tirith just means watchtower. So they literally named their tower Watchtower. Fair enough. But still. <laughs> like, that's still. Great originality there. Pick, pick something better, guys. I just think it's awful that on top of having so many names that we have to remember, Tolkien also reuses names. So if you're not following the whole conversation, you're going to be wondering exactly what age are you talking about? Yeah. And like, it kind of makes sense because I can see where the Dane come to Middle Earth or come back to Middle Earth later and are like, we want to build a big watchtower. We'll name it after this famous watchtower although it did quite famously f well things do happen with that watchtower later which i can actually see would make it a little bit more of an appropriate name actually i forgot so we're not done with Minas Tirith yet but anyway it does it does literally mean watchtower so yeah mostly it's just terrible naming <laughs> and they rename the Minas Tirith from the yeah. lord of the rings period eventually Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, after Aragorn is crowned. Anyway, and I even mind. think when Sauron moves into the tower, he he renames it here. But I I didn't note that down because I was like, this is too many names. So many names. I don't know. Probably just like the Tower of Evil. Well, like spoilers, but we're gonna hear a lot about it in the next chapter. So, or we're gonna hear more about it. And then some Easterlings join the battle, or at the very least, they join the armies. I don't know if fighting is still going on once they get here. Um, some, so we mentioned the two Easterling names before. Those are sort of the head of two different groups of Easterlings, and one uh, swear fealty to Madros, I'm pretty sure. And they are true, and the other ones are basically spies of Morgoth, or they've mostly been, sorry, seduced by Morgoth into his services. So that's important to remember. Um, so then we're back to the House of Hador with Huor and Hurin. I forget whose sons they are. Somebody with a G. We're going up here. 
Galdor. So Galdor took up um, lordship or whatever of the House of Hedor after like three people were killed. And his sons are Huor and Hurin, who are currently being raised with the people of Haleth, who were, Haleth was the badass lady of the Adain from the previous, from our previous episode, who is living in a forest near Doriath. So they're being raised there just because of who their family is, whatever, that's where they are. Um, but they get, that area is attacked by orcs and they get involved in that battle, even though they are quite young and they would have died. Um, but Thorndor, who must just be like flying back and forth for these years, you know, looking for places he can help, which is nice of him. What a good pet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he sees that they're about to die, and he grabs the two of them. He may have had some other eagle friends with him. And spirits them away to Gondolin, where they remain for a while. I wrote down here two years, but I couldn't find that again in the, in the chapter. But I think it was two years. And I was thinking it was something like a year, because when they come back, they refused to say where they were, and... People were like, oh, so, sir, you were just camping in the woods for a year? Yeah. It, a significant amount of time that everybody thought they were dead and were very suspicious of them when they come back, which they do eventually leave Gondolin, and Turgon was willing to let them leave because um, they came in sort of unconscious, carried by eagles. So he was like, if the eagles will carry you out with your eyes closed or, uh, or something. You know, blindfolded or whatever, he's like, fine, you can leave. Although they had... Uh, Turgon by that time did like the two of them very much, so he very much. said, oh, before they go, uh, Meglin, the creeper, kind of just says some shit to them about how they're the worst and he doesn't trust them. So they swear an oath to not betray anything of Gondolin. Um, and then they leave. And they do lie to everyone and they don't say anything about Gondolin, but due to them sort of arriving back from the dead, dressed in, like, kingly clothes given to them by, you know, an actual king. Everybody kind of guesses that they were in a hidden, hidden kingdom with some elves. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> Which, how that happens. Yeah. And so after this, and Turkin, you know, he, who has completely stayed out of the fighting until now, um, has this great idea and tries to send some ships back to Valinor to ask for help. But that... As we previously talked about, Valinor is now hidden, so you can't just get back there. So he is unsuccessful. But he is the only one who is thinking here that maybe to beat a Valar, they need some Valar. Um, after that, we oh, get... I should go back. Oh. Sorry, I want to intersperse here a second. It is yes. mentioned that the, uh, they held so long in um, Minas Tirith along the river uh, Sirion because Olmo's presence was still found in it. Yes. I want to give him credit for being the only one who hasn't completely abandoned them. I wonder if it... I kind of wish they hadn't said... Is that near the ocean? It must be, because almost of the ocean. Uh, just because the ocean is still where the, the song of Luvatar can still be felt. So it would have been yeah. interesting if he just sort of said near the ocean. Mm -hmm. And you could kind of take it both ways there. I kind of like, I guess I like that almost still there. Um, so yeah, then we get confirmation that Morgoth knows knows of Nargothrond, but does not know where it is, and that he still knows nothing of Gondolin. Um, but he does know of Turgon and hasn't seen him in a good long while, and that worries him. And then we have one last battle seven years later, where whoever the father of Huron is is killed, and Huron takes over as the Lord of House of Hedor. A bunch of other stuff is mentioned there, but that's the important shit. Huron is now <laughs> the leader of the House of Hedor, the descendants of Malak. And that's the chapter. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that may have been the longest summary we've done thus far. But not the longest chapter we've had. No. So that's interesting. It's just a lot. I feel like, so in our notes, we have it marked who all died. But it's it's like so many fewer than it sounds like because it's just like people dying. But it's not actually that many named people. Yeah, when I decided to mark them all, I thought it was going to be more. Yeah. So Fingal Fen goes out in epic fashion. 
Oh, so good. Angrod, Angrod and Agnor go out in acceptable fashion. <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> Bregolas goes out. Um, and I think actually, no, at the end, all of everyone but Baron is dead, right? Yeah. Oh, so I can't. Oh, good. Oh. The whole time I was doing this, I was like, can I make Bear here red yet? Can I make Bear here red yet? But there we go. There we go. Yeah. I nice. just, I added two more. It's just in the end, it's like, in that time also, the outlaws of Jorthanian were destroyed, as is told hereafter, as we'll get to next chapter, and Baron, yeah. son of Bear here alone, escaping, uh, came hardly into Doriath. And then we'll I, have our legend, finally. I, I was going to end with that. I even have that in our yeah. notes. Thanks, thanks, Rach. Thanks. Sorry, I know, I, I saw that and I wasn't going to, but then I had to bring up that everyone's dead. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I didn't put that in because it is, we see it in detail in the next chapter, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. It, yeah, it, it, ex- it tells us so, so. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think about Turgon and Gondolin staying completely the fuck out of this battle? Like, not a single lending hand. His father died. His cousins, his family. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, initially you could maybe make an excuse that they're so cut off they didn't know. But once they literally get wounded people on their doorstep, yeah, they kind of know. I can I can see the argument that he's like, we need a secret stronghold from Morgoth. Mm-hmm. But I can also, but I I can't see thinking that so hard that you're okay with your with just letting your family die without your help. Yeah. So I'm unsure how I feel about Turgon in this because mm-hmm. I feel it does like feel, his mm-hmm. character is really inconsistent because he sets up all of these rules and then pretty much every time he's in the book, it's about how he's making exception to these rules he made up. And, yeah, family was super important to him until suddenly they start dying and it's like, mm, helping you would be kind of inconvenient. So, how about no? Yeah. Although, I was, this is, you know, we talk about Olmo not abandoning everyone completely because um, he's not shut up in Valinor. But he did kind of tell Turgon to just, like, go hunker down until one specific messenger comes to you. This is true. So maybe just bad advice (laughs) or good advice. I don't know. Yeah, maybe like it's possible that we just don't see it. But, you know, we could imagine that Turgon wants to go and help. And maybe Ulmo is sending him dreams to be like, no, just stay where you are. You have to. It's like I'm not discounting the need to have this secret place that Morgoth literally knows nothing of. But... It, it just seems so unfeeling to mm-hmm. not at all, to not send something, to not do something. Yeah. It's almost even worse than your two sea boys, sons of Feanor, running away and hiding. Yeah, I hate them because of later things. Huh. They're just assholes. Yeah. And and Turgon, I feel, is not an asshole, but this was a dick move. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I did want to mention, bring up... I didn't include her full title because I didn't want to get into it in the summary or in the characters, but um, Barahir's wife. I-, I don't think anything has made me quite so angry at Tolkien other than her name, uh, Ameldir the Manhearted, because she liked to fight. Sounds about Tolkien. Fuck you, Tolkien. That is literally the note that I have written here. Fuck you, Tolkien. Yeah. Because only men like to fight, of course. The man, can you imagine being, <clears throat> that makes me very angry. Right, do they just like call her that behind her back or like to her face? Probably to her face. I, I mean, they probably they would have seen it, it as a compliment, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, they probably the also problem. tell her to smile more. I also, I really love that she's described as sort of somebody who would not flee and like would stay and fight with her husband and, you know raise a sword and blah 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 and then right after her description like the next paragraph is Ameldir decided to live to flee so even when Tolkien tries to make a badass woman 
he is still just like, mm, I need somebody to get the women and children out of here, so it'll be this woman. Just time and again, we get that, where it's, yeah, look at this badass lady. Eh, she sat down for a bit. Yeah. So, that sucks. Um, I briefly mentioned that, you know, Turgon's got the best idea. I, again, showing his sort of double side here, and that they they need to get someone over there to Valinor. And be like, um, hello, we're all being killed. You kind of abandoned us. Well, I mean, they killed everyone first, but... Yeah, you know. Do you, do you think Valinor should come to help? That's a complicated think, question, because yeah. part of me says, no, I don't want to deal with more characters. And, uh, <laughs> the truth is, um, if it was Morgoth who was, like, coming out of his house again, right? He came out for the duel against Fingolfin, mm-hmm. but then it's just kind of been, like, his armies, right? And mm-hmm. Sauron... Um, leading the charge of destruction. So it's kind of more of an even playing field if they don't come over from Valinor, which is, you know, not to say it's fair, but... It's even playing field, but they still have no way into Angband. So I think it's literally even in that they're kind of in a stalemate. And Morgoth pretty much has unlimited armies that he can create. Yeah. And dragons and balrogs and shit. Um, and don't forget, Balrogs are, uh, Maiar. Yeah. And over here we have, in the side of good, one Melian. <laughs> Who is largely ignored. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just feel like so many of these problems were caused because the Valar either didn't act or acted stupidly. Well, that's true. This is true. So it's like, yeah, sure, now, yeah, go whatever, go hide back there and- stay shut up pretending you're blameless and all this but like you you should not have let Melkor go <laughs> yeah and they they didn't really handle Feanor and the Silmarils well either no they handled nothing well they they let Feanor and Morgoth interact like why mm-hmm. would you ever put those two in the same room yeah that and is then cursed room. everyone yeah I mean I'm not saying the Noldor didn't deserve the curse but and as of right now, it is mostly the Noldor who have suffered and the Adain. Mm-hmm. But eventually it's going to be everybody. Like, Morgoth isn't going to stop when he's killed the Noldor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does yeah. sort of feel like the Valar have cursed everyone, even if they haven't, even if it is just the Noldor. Yeah. I mean, I know whatever, he's their brother in as much as godlike creatures have siblings but they literally let the being of pure evil go but these you know elves who got totally messed up don't get a second chance that's a it good hurts point me. melkor got like a third chance yeah and the elves they've just cursed and locked off Mm-hmm. that is shitty so that's it like really just everyone's shitty it's kind of like, you know, at least Turgon has some semi-good reasons for being blocked off, but they're just chucked a grenade in the pile and said bye. Yeah. <laughs> and they're probably just over there having their feats of good knows what animals. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's beer. Who knows? Having a good time. Ugh. Uh-uh. I'm very angry. <laughs> Why yeah. do the elves even like them? Right? Yeah, that's a good question. It's like that weird parent dynamic, right? You're like obligated to like them. You can't get away from it. Or not like, maybe obligated to love them. And so you have this attachment. I don't know. I I think that's interesting that that, that dynamic keeps coming up. Like we first saw it with the Valar to Iluvatar. And now the, the elves to the Valar. And even to some degree, the Edain to the elves. Yeah, we Tolkien just had a lot of daddy issues. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> God, yeah, those those poor men though. Like, what? This world was created for them. The Valar were so excited about it, and they're just getting murdered by the, you know, orcs and Balrogs and flood dragons. plane load. Yeah, I I really 
I feel so bad for the Adain who like are like, let's go west. That's where the sun came from. Maybe there's something I feel the ocean calling to me. Let's go that way. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> we got involved in something way over our heads. Yeah. That must suck a lot for them. Yeah. I mean credit to them for not just turning around and going back. Yep. Anything else? I feel like we must have more to discuss considering the length of this chapter. Just so much happens. Yeah, it's hard to... It's a lot to unpack. And so often we're talking about, like, why was this not really described? Or, but things are actually described really cool here. Yeah, that's true. I will say it was recently announced that Christopher Tolkien is releasing one last book. Um, like uh, The Children of Huron and Baron and Luthien. <laughs> Just called The Fall of Gondolin. So <laughs> there are some spoilers there. Um, and it it's interesting. Well, no, we'll talk about that later. And in in that vein, there is a line here that after Huron and Huror get back from Gondolin, that uh, then Galdor questioned them no more, but he and many others guessed at the truth. And in time, the strange fortune of Huron and Huror reached the ears of the servants of Morgoth. Mm-hmm. So, along with a lot of death, there is, of course, our favorite thing from the Silmarillion, doom, mm-hmm. in this chapter. Yeah, there are a lot of those epic teases, and, you know, yeah. when um, Fingolfin goes to his duel, it's described that, like, it's the the last time in war that Morgoth comes out, and stuff like that. Yeah, I can't remember, so much happened in this chapter, it it's too much and i'm really excited for the next chapter because you know that's also a whole book so obviously not too much is going to happen in that <laughs> <laughs> just a couple things yeah i should point out i don't think sauron renames the tower but the isle becomes called uh toll in garroth the isle of werewolves right of, of course, course it yes. does. i'm really excited for the next chapter guys <laughs> Looking at, so talking about the spying and stuff from from Morgoth um, Mm -hmm. and trying to, you know, sow deceit between them, which is like, yeah, they were believed because they literally slayed their kin. So why wouldn't they do terrible stuff? (laughs) Um, But that it's described some uh, more Noldor that were taken into Angban. Um. You know, because we'd heard before about the elves who were taken and twisted into orcs. But, yeah, so many poor, poor Noldor have been taken and didn't get rescued by And there's so many, like, like, mind games here. Because he steals some Noldor, presumably tortures them until they swear, you know, to work for him. Or, you mm-hmm. know, just offers them things, whatever, whichever. And sends them out to be spies. And then other ones, he just releases. Mm-hmm. But then nobody believes them that they're not spies. Yeah. Like, what a shit thing to do. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll release you, but no freedom. No one's going to trust you ever yeah. again. Just battle on so many fronts, like literally spewing flame and sending out werewolves, dragon, torturing some, just releasing others, trying to turn them against each other, using men to infiltrate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's good strategy, but also a yeah. lot is going on. Lots going on. Oh, I had a funny story. So in this chapter, we get, I think, our first mention of Morwen. So before I read The Silmarillion, when I was like 13, and I was just obsessed with Lord of the Rings, I definitely came up with the name Morwen uh, for myself and used it on like Lord of the Rings forums, because Morwen literally means dark lady. Mm-hmm. So just so everybody knows what type of 13-year-old I was. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I was very upset when I saw that Tolkien had actually used it. For a human, no less. Not even an right. elf. Ugh. Come on. Not even an elf. That's our, we've got standards now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, the doom of Gondolin drew nearer. Yes, it did. <laughs> oh, is the doom, the word doom actually in here? I missed it. The word doom is actually in here. I miss um, Mandos. I know, right? What a dude. 
doom. So much doom. I miss his doom. Talking about trying to send people to uh, Valinor, and mm. therefore none of the messengers of Turgon came into the west, and many were lost and few returned, but the doom of Gondolin drew nearer. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. I like how he he fits in some doom in this chapter of... I, I think I already mentioned that, sorry, but all the, the doom in this big chapter of war and strategy and battles and... But don't worry, everything's gonna turn out bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. I was worried it was gonna be good for a little while, but it's fine. We don't need but to no, worry. But no, don't worry. Mm -hmm. I guess that's it, really. Pretty much. And would you like to return to the final line? <sighs> Everyone, Rachel ruined it. But I did. I, was I ruined gonna... everything. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna leave us with the final line of the chapter... That in in that after Bear Here's company is basically slaughtered, um, in that time also the outlaws of Dorthonian were destroyed, as is told hereafter, and Baron, son of Barahir, alone escaping, came hardly into Doriath, which will lead us very well into our homework for next week, which is chapter nineteen of Baron and Luthien. Woo party finally. I'm excited that we will get the whole story. I am too, because I like, I, I just, I know bits and pieces from existing. I know nothing. Well, I mean, it has been mentioned in this book that Baron holds a Silmaril and dies well, and comes back. Okay, I know that, but like, I know nothing <laughs> about this story, really, out of. But he also breaks the girdle. He can go through the girdle and. <laughs> It's mentioned he never talks to men again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? I forgot about that. That's it. That's that's our mentions. That's because right. <laughs> the chapter... Oh, that's we'll the talk about talk. that next week. All right. So, um, I guess that's that. If you have any thoughts on this extremely long chapter, you can email us at youwanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com or you can Twitter at us at toreadtolkien.com. Twitter um, at us. Yeah, I don't know what that was, but we're going with it now. Twitter the tweets and tweet the tweets okay. and tweet yep. tweet. Um, you threw me off my game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. You've been Caitlin. <laughs> you've been Emily, and you've been Rachel. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>